here. Okay, perfect. All right, everybody, welcome back to the third episode of KTCG, Keeping the Conversation Going. We have a nice episode for you today. We're talking about mental health and how it can be wealthy in our lives. And so we're going to have an intimate conversation today. As you can see, it's only three people. And uh, so Jamise will be sharing her thoughts as well. So she's going to be a participant in this podcast today. And I'll be the moderator. So for the first question, for the record, how long have each of you been going to therapy? Jamise, you can start. Um, so I started therapy this year, um, around, I would say end of June, beginning of July. Um, I just had a lot more time on my hands and it just worked with my schedule at that time. Um, and so I've been going, I would say I've been meeting with my therapist probably every two weeks, um, just <laughs> fits my schedule. Um, and I did take a pause right now just to get my new job, um, back on track, just to see how, what I can do with it. Um, but I will be going back every two weeks. Um, and I still kind of reach out to her and text and things of that nature. How about you, Ramon? Yeah, I've been in and out since. So I started in 2017. I did like two sessions with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, then I stopped. And then the year after, um, I've been in and out with like, there's four different therapists. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, you can you can think about it as like dating in a sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and the, the person I'm with now is is really dope. Um, and we be every every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, we can move on to the next question. That was a nice and quick one. What was your first impression of therapy? Did you have a positive or negative perspective? And i.e. is was therapy being for rich people or crazy people? those type of thoughts you can share. Ramon, you can go first this time. Yeah. (sighs) Let me think about that. So, I mean, I'm I'm just like anyone else, right, who grew up in the United States. um, You know, there's there's a certain image of therapy um, and what like the stigma of what what it means to be a client um, and going to therapy. Um, So, I think going into it, I was thinking like, I wonder what my parents would think. I wonder what my friends would think. Um, and also, I'm, I was worried about what I'll think about myself, right? Like, yeah. would I regret doing this? Would I look at myself differently? Like, would I look at myself as weak, um, for example? Um, and no, I got in and it was, it was amazing. Right. Like I thought, so what I, what I was worried about the most was going in and thinking that once I start sharing that the therapist would dig deep into my unconscious and all, everything will come out and it will be uncontrollable and, you know, all the emotions are pouring out. Um, no, but it's not, it wasn't like that. Right? It was, um, it was more interesting than anything else. Right. Like, just learning by yourself, um, you know, she was asking very critical questions, questions I never asked myself, mm-hmm. uh, questions that others have never asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, I started connecting certain dots. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, it was only two sessions. Um, so I can't imagine what it would have been like if I continued with her. Um, 
but you know the work continued with other therapists though so yeah and overall it was a it was a good experience it was it was it was it was better than what i anticipated i guess you could say okay thank you for sharing Jimmy. yeah um I, that's a it was a difficult question to think about for a second um I guess when I initially thought about it, yes, I did think it was for crazy people um, because a lot of the just conversations around it was there's something wrong with your mind, right? Or you're you're not you're not normal, whatever normal is anymore, or whatever it was to begin with. Um, and I think a big part of that was one, I was just constant, you know, continuously asking myself. I was asking other people, and there's a, a big question that I asked, and I'm like, am I the only one going through this? Um, and I think that's what made me immediately like go into therapy. But I think my family also had an impact on it. Cause I remember telling my mom before, like all the things that I would think about. And, um, she would kind of tell me like, you know, you're going to be fine. You're okay. Um, and then mentioning therapy in a black household is like, there's nothing wrong with you. you you're, you're, you're mentally fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to chill and do what you need to do. Um, and you'll get over it. And, um, I think I didn't have a negative impact on therapy. Like it wasn't that it was something wrong to go to or that it was something that um, would be like, it's just not something like at this point in my life, I'm like, everyone should have therapy. Um, it should just be a, a given right. It should be in your medical insurance um, because it's just the simple fact that like, you don't know what trauma or what grief or what just anything that anyone is dealing with. Um, and so at this point, I'm just like, there's a huge positive outlook on it. And um, as you know, from like my first session, I explained it to you and everything, like she was just amazing, right? Um, she kind of delved into all of the questions that I know for a fact I didn't want to ask myself or questions that um, I kind of like pushed in the back front of my head and tried to ignore. Um, and it gets you out of the zone that you think you don't want to be in. And I remember having my first session and I was like, am I built for this? So there's also the conversation of like, am I built for therapy? Um, and it was hard. It was it was a difficult like question to ask myself, but it's like, it's either I want to get better or I, or I just want to <laughs> just be suffering um, for as long as I have to. Um, so it definitely was still, it was a negative outlook, obviously, just to be thinking that I'm crazy. Um, but then it kind of got better over time, just knowing the people that I have in my circle. Yeah. What do you mean by uh my bill for this? That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's like yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Um I think what it was was that you know, so like, you know, they give you kind of like homework or the questions that they're asking you are pushing you into a state of mind that are like you purposely did not put yourself into that state. Right? You purposely held it back, you purposely did not address it. Um, and so I guess it was me having my, either my escapism or me pushing back from actually diving into those serious things that are going to make me get better. Um, and so that's where it became like, am I built to just even address these situations? Am I strong enough? Or am I just weak to the point where like, I really do not want to touch this surface. I just want to stick to the surface level of this conversation. Like, please don't let me dive deep into it. Um, and then I realized like the, that deepness has to happen. Um, mm. it's, it's incredibly important. Yeah. Or like, am I ready now to handle mm. this? Yeah, yeah. That's a big one. And honestly, just to validate that. Um, there are certain, like, with certain trauma victims, um, it's not best to jump right into it, right? Like, you have to work with the client, um, and work around the issue, um, to, to help them feel resilient enough, um, to then slowly get into the trauma and do the trauma work. And sometimes that could take over a year, 
Um, you know, so it, it's, I think it's client dependent. Um, so nah, it's, it's, a, I think that's a normal, normal question to ask yourself for sure. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> I have a side question. Did you, because Ramon, you mentioned that therapy was like dating before we started recording. Do you feel as if, this is a question for both of you. Do you feel as if, um, your therapist had to match your ethnic background in order to be fully relatable or could it just been like an asian person or a white person yeah okay so that's, that's such an important question um and there's i don't think there is a perfect answer to that um so i'll start with what the research says right research says that it doesn't really matter. What matters is that the therapist um, is uh, multiculturally minded, right, and sensitive to diversity, um, diversity issues, systemic issues. Um, you know um, that they're not they're not colorblind. I guess you could say, right? Um, that's that's highly important, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't matter. So according to the research, that's what that's what it says. However, in practice. You know, it's I've come across certain therapists that didn't really get it, mm. right? And the ones who did kind of get it, or guess who? <laughs> you know, um, so yeah. So from I can only speak from my experience, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I've had therapists who, uh, like, I literally walked in to this the the therapy room, and they were like. As you can see, I value diversity very much and point that artifacts they collected from Africa and China. And I'm sitting there like, what in the world? What is happening right now? Like, is this, I'm looking around for the camera. Like, it, this has to be a joke. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, immediately that was the first session. And I'm thinking like, okay, uh, I don't know if I could trust this person, right? I don't know if they're going to get it. Yeah. Um, and eventually, I, you know, there was a mismatch, right? And I realized it and I moved on. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I also went to another therapist who, you know, there was an overemphasis on our identities, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, like th this therapist overassumed too much because I was Latino, mm -hmm. because, uh, she was also Latina, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, and she was, she was a, she was a great therapist. Um, the problem was that there was a, it was too much. Um, and I didn't stop, we went to her because, you know, uh, because of that, yeah. I generally did feel better um, after going through it and other other contexts as well. Context uh, is important. Mm -hmm. um, but looking back, I remember feeling like I wish I would have addressed that with with the therapist. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then the last one, I mean, then someone else I went to, a whole bunch of microaggressions during therapy. Like, yeah, can dude, you give uh, a little bit like an example if you can share or not? Sure, I'll, I'll give one example, sure. Um, uh, I was I was talking about ironically about a microaggression, yeah, <laughs> and um, she accused me of being the racist for assuming that the the microaggressors were being racist just because they cut their skin. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I understand the angle mm -hmm. that she was coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought the like and if I could if I were to word it better in in her own words, I mean for her, you know, I think she what she was trying to imply 
was that ultimately what I'm dealing with is internalized racism, right? Right. I think at the at the heart of, of, of my issue, right? I mean at the heart of the issue is really systemic. Yeah. Right. But let's put that to the side for a second. <laughs> the, the ways that the systemic issues were affecting me internally was manifesting my relationships also. Right. It was a it was a two-way street. Yeah. Right. Um if she were to word it that way, I think I would have been a lot more understanding. Um it would have the, the words would have been internalized a bit better. Yeah. But at the moment, you know, I was legit like stuck. I was like, what the fuck? What am I supposed to say to that? Yeah. Um, oh, back a curse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, cool, cool, because I curse a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, it was, it was, I addressed it like, um, the session after, uh, with her and she apologized and everything. Um, so you know, it wasn't the end of the world, but I remember thinking, like, man, like, I, I feel like I've done a lot of work in terms of my internalized racism. So I couldn't imagine somebody who's just starting to come into the understanding of race, right? And working with her and dealing with that, um, or someone else or another therapist working, um, uh, with a client who's not really, you know, uh, racially inclined, I guess you could say. Yeah. And the impact that that would have had, right? Just accepting that, like, oh, actually, you're right. Mm-hmm. It is my fault, right? And the impact that that has. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I was in a position to like question it and to challenge it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my current therapist, she's a w- woman of color. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, she is white passing though, mm. but you no, know, she, she, she understands. And it's not so much that she is a woman of color. I think that, I think that helps me unconsciously. Um, so I'm not going to you know, just completely deny that. Yeah. But what I'm aware of is that she, you know, she's asked, she asked me very critical questions early on, um, about, you know, my identity and how that impacted the, the, my, my current issues, um, which helped me understand, like, okay, yeah, this person gets it. Um, and it was consistent throughout, um, how my identity is as a, as not just a, um, a man, but a man of color and how that connects, you know, and intertwines itself and, they, yeah, they consistent. I just kept thinking, yeah, she she gets it, um, and she gets me, right? So, yeah, just so long story short, just to answer your question, yeah. it matters. Uh, but I think what what matters more is that the therapist is conscious, aware, understands how the system of oppression impacts current issues, but also has an awareness of how you're you're an individual. Yeah. Right. You're not, you're, I'm not just a Latino. Right. I'm not just a Dominican. Like I'm, I'm complicated. Yeah. Right. Like I have so many identities. Yeah. Right. Con, con, uh, merge into one. Mm-hmm. Just an, it's a balance. It's a balance. Not. A balance. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you said that Ramon, like you just really gave me the point. Basically that's what I was going to say that there's just so many factors to take into account. Um, this was my this is my first therapist um and i was lucky enough me and her share the same background mm-hmm. um she is a caribbean i'm a caribbean um and she didn't heavily rely on like when she first initially asked me questions she asked me a bunch of questions right like mm-hmm. how like just give me a synopsis or a background about you right and what to see what i just mentioned um i spoke a lot about work obviously <laughs> and um she did ask me about my identity uh she asked me about my family, like, what am I a middle child? Am I a 
um, you know, the last, the last child, like there were questions about that as well. And then there was socioeconomic conversation. So she asked a lot of like, just identity questions, right? There, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle beside me just being black. Um, and when she does speak to me, there is a lot of like, there is, there is, oh, this is why you're acting this. This is why this is happening because of your, you know, your background, your race. And then there's the research, right? There's like, this is what the research says. So I think that balance is very important. And then, um, another thing that I just wanted to mention, um, was that, you know, I guess it, I wouldn't, I would say that it makes me feel comfortable knowing that she is, a, that she is black. Um, I just feel more comfortable sharing with her. Um, and it's true. It's real. It's, that's just how it is. It just makes you feel comfortable, especially it being my first time. I just feel much safer in a space to know that I'm sharing my most deepest, darkest things that I don't share with a lot of people to someone that, um, they, that they understand. Right. And we actually share kind of like the same experiences, right? She understands what I'm going through on a, a personal level too, because this is what she has dealt with before in her life. Um, and I think that that is super important because it's not just, I don't know. I love being relatable. I like emotion. I like making sure that someone is truly understanding where I'm coming from, because a lot of time you do get backlash that like your feelings don't matter, or it's like, no one is understanding what you're saying. Um, and yeah, sometimes there is that hard conversation of like, this is how you're, this is how you're actually acting. Like you don't, you don't realize it yet, but this is what it actually is. Um, but I, I do feel comfortable just talking to her. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'll move on to someone else to see, but I think it's like how Ramon mentioned, just, I would be very awkward walking into, a, into a room and someone's like, oh yeah, I'm so built on diversity. You just, these are all the different things that you can put into. And it's like, no, you're, you're just showboating right now. I don't, I don't need you to tell me that I need you to show me that that's what you are. Right. It's, it's a lot of like, just fluff, like stop using the word just because it just makes you feel good. Or you think someone's just going to know, oh yeah, they really care about me. No, right. um, it does not work that way. Uh <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that was an extreme version. I think what we may see more common now is like fluff words, um, like academic words thrown in to make you feel like, oh, this person gets it. You know, like they use some sort of like, you know, intersectionality, right? And, you know, systemic racism is, mm -hmm. you know, it's very important to understand. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I, I know you, you know the words, right? I don't care. <laughs> you know, exactly. I need to know that you, you really get it and mm -hmm. how it plays in, into my life, right? Yep. Into the lives of people. Definitely true. Some powerful answers there. That was that was good. We can move on to the third question, which is how did people with your similar ethnic background perceive therapy and mental health? And was prayer or religion ever brought up as an alternative? Jamisha will go first this time. Um this is an interesting question. Uh <laughs> I think when I first, uh, so, um, my family's not religious. Um, but my mom did try, like we did go to church a few times when I was younger and my grandparents, her parents and stuff, they were religious. They were in church every Sunday. Um, and I know she tried to like reel it on us and she does speak about God quite frequently. And I remember like telling her certain things and I know that she moves her, like she moves the same way. Like she'll say, you know, God's gonna get me through this. Like, you know, um, I just got to pray. Um, it's going to work. You know, I just have to speak to him because, you know, um, he's listening to me. 
Um, initially that is what I got, right? I got like, pray about it or like, just talk to him. Like when you're in a dump or when you're down, like you just need to sit down, pray and always be talking to him. And I don't know, over time, as I started to see the things that were happening in my life, I started to question just that simple fact, right? Like, Mm is he, is he really here? Is he really helping me? Like the things that I'm going through, I should not have to be going through. Um, and you know, they come up with the statements that like God puts his toughest people in like the, the worst or just the hardest situations. And, um, I don't know, I'm still, you know, in the middle confused in all of those things. Um, but that was in my brain. I was like, that's not going to help me right now. Like I need someone to talk to. Um, and I, I need someone to understand or like to explain to me, like how I can move off from this. And, um, I remember telling her initially and she was like, you don't need therapy. Obviously I expressed before, like that just wasn't the thing. Um, it didn't exist. It wasn't real. Um, and it just started, right? Like me and her got a good relationship and I started to have conversations with her and now she's understood like, wow, Jamie's like, you really do need therapy. And I was, I explained to her and the whole family, like maybe they do need therapy too as well. Right. Um, so now I think the conversation, like back then, I feel like it was like a, what the heck are you talking about? But now it's like, it's become more understanding. Um, I think people are just, they're opening up their minds more just to have that conversation and just to realize that like, it's not something just for crazy people, especially the simple fact that a lot of people just talk about it, right? You have social workers that have therapists, you have teachers that have therapists, you, it's a whole array of things. Like there are just super, like so many things going on that, um, the conversation is just more fluid now. Like people are just spitting it out with no consequences or repercussions or anything of that nature. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I think that what's helped was that, um, so I'll start a backtrack. Um, I don't know if I've ever been explicitly told that therapy is bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was never like that. I think it was more like the, the, the lack of therapy in my family experience told me, gave me a message. I think you could say, right? So, um, you know, I had a lot of people in my family, an extended family, who were going through some um, some real issues, um, mental health issues, looking back. Um, and what we did instead was go to church and pray about it, light a candle, right? Um, and, you know, we'll, or we'll go into like a family gathering and, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a family prayer. We'll invite a priest and, you know, and I'm not going to say that it doesn't help, right? So, in, you know, if you really think about it, that could be therapeutic, right? Sense of community, sense of hope, right? Um, all those things are important for, um, for like a buffer, to serve as a buffer for mental distress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not definitely not going to, you know, put that down. And at the same time, I think it's important that the individual goes into um, into therapy and with someone who, again, who gets it, not just an therapist, yeah. and um, really dives into their their problems, right, and yeah. how how the person relates to the problems, right. Um, so all that to say that for me, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like they were against it. It was just more like you don't. It was implied that I don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you. You know, I, I said this in a, in a different podcast, but, you know, it was this idea of like, you know, my grandparents didn't go to therapy. My great grandparents didn't go to therapy. You know, my great great grandparents didn't go to therapy. My parents didn't go to therapy. They all went, made it fine. Yeah. Right. But then you got a question. What, what is what does it mean to be fine? Right. Like, um, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and yeah, sure. They're miracles, like mm-hmm. given their context. 
the fact that they've made it alive and raised their families is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always grateful for that. Um, and I understand that they're still dealing with things, right, that they never really process. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that impacts the way they relate to other people, right? Like the relational dynamics um, is impacted. So uh, I don't want to go through that, right? Like I am grateful, right? And it's a lot for me to learn from their experiences and the resilience. Mm-hmm. And I can also go to therapy and break some of those walls that I've had, uh, get my, that understanding of uh, why I function the way I function, mm-hmm. right? Dig deeper, um, question it, make some changes, experiment with certain behaviors, right? Certain thought patterns and see how to grow from that, um, you know, to feel a little lighter, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's, there's a, it's, there's a lot to this. Um, yeah. But to answer your question, it was never explicitly told to me that it's, yeah, it's a bad thing. All right. With that, we can move on to the next question. Was there a thought or experience you've ever witnessed it may have convinced you that therapy may have never been the answer. And Ramon, you start with this one. That's a heavy question, Jesus. <laughs> so you, when you ask that, you mean like during therapy or before ever um, ever entered? Before ever entering during therapy, just any thought over experience that you've seen, you're like, oh, maybe maybe I Dude. made the wrong decision. I don't know about the wrong decision. But there, there were incidents where I'm like, therapy is not going to solve this, right? I, I'm thinking like, like real world issues, right? When I think in, I'm thinking about what's happening in Afghanistan, right? Um, police brutality here, right? Um, like, like real world issues, mm-hmm. right? Just the idea that you know, people are could be really fucked up in the positions of power. And get to make decisions um, for our lives. Like, that, there's nothing I can spring up in therapy. There's nothing my therapist can tell me that can fix that. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it is. I'm aware of its limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, therapy. Me as as a trainee, becoming a therapist, we're taught this well as well, right? Like, we're not going to solve the world's problems in a one to one session, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes as clients can come in with some cr- insane. Um, um, trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to help them out, give them the, the, the key, the golden key to solve their issues. This is not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? The goal, um, from what I, and you know, opinions can differ, philosophies can differ, but mm-hmm. the goal for me as a therapist, serving as a therapist, is um, to, to create a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. To explore together okay. alternatives, right? So what I expect as a client also is not for my therapist to solve the issues of racism, Right, for example, is to help me cope with the issues of racism, is to help me build a sense of resiliency. Right. What are my options? Right. How can I think about myself? What are some some small goals I can create for myself? Mm-hmm. Like, um, can I support my family with these issues? Can I go to maybe uh, a local government? So what are the small steps I can take, right? Uh, to create some big issues or big changes. Um yeah, and I guess it's a philosophy of like, what can you do? What what are you, what are you not in control of, and what are you in control of? Mm. And then you know, slowly shifting that perspective, right? Because um, I think a lot of people get stuck when they only focus on the former, yeah. right? They say, I don't I don't have control. I, you know, it become like a learned helplessness kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
which is dangerous and that could lead you to you know downward spiral so yeah so it's a it's a heavy question but it's something that constantly comes up to me right like man like what can i do with this client right or what what can my therapist tell me right now that's gonna really help me right solve these issues like it's, it's there is there are limitations for sure thank you yeah it was crazy because um initially i didn't have a thought and then ramon started talking and i was like he's literally taking all the words that i'm thinking about right now um because i was thinking it's like it's a conversation of like that like those bigger issues like they cannot control that situation that's happening right but they can address the situation of like how you're feeling um how can we like what can we do for you so that you're comfortable and that you're at ease even though all of this is happening in the world right now and i was like he literally just mentioned everything possible right it's just the simple fact that um yes you might see police brutality and it might be bringing you to a point where you're just you're out of it like you you don't want to do anything you really you really want to just be angry or you want to go do something and it's like you ask your therapist like what are you going to do about it like they can't do anything about that but they can definitely ask you what impact is that having on your health like what impact is that having on you yeah. going to work what impact is that having on you getting out of bed just to just to take a shower just to brush your teeth like how is that impacting your life currently so that we can get you to a point where you're able to just walk outside safely right so that you don't have to sit in the house and be afraid to walk down the street without something happening to you um it's those are the questions that though that i feel like will be you know they can address that it's not those bigger issues though very unfortunately but you can't control everything and the world is always going to have some issue or problem that needs to be dealt with right for sure that's never going to stop right nope <laughs> and yeah you just you just brought up thoughts online um I think a lot of times we have the issue, right? The big issue that's being brought up in therapy, right? Like, oh, like I'm dealing with the stress of, you know, uh, Trayvon Martin, right? That's one on the news and it's been bombarded all over the news. And, you know, uh, yes, it's important to understand it, but to see it over and over and over, it's really bogging me down. Like it's, it's an emotional toll that it has on me, right? And then you start digging deeper as a therapist and you start thinking like it's not just this right it's also the feeling of my voice doesn't matter right our voice doesn't matter as a black community right people of color uh because we've been raising these issues forever and you know, nothing has changed so my voice doesn't matter okay let's talk about that for a second does your voice really not matter right where have you learned this also in your past mm -hmm. um you know and dig deeper into that maybe there's a sense of shame with some other issues right uh shame about your reaction to the event right maybe i shouldn't have reacted this way why am i so angry what dig deeper into that right why where have you learned to not be angry right mm -hmm. and dig deeper into that like it's it, a lot of these things are multi-dimensional mm -hmm. right so there's a lot of things we can't control or think about or really you know not that we can't think about process that's essentially the point but there's a lot of things we can't change about the world but there's a lot of things we can change about how we relate to the world mm -hmm. right as as jimmy said so I completely agree with that. Well, thank you guys for sharing. With that, we can move on to the next question. Was there anything in your life that provided therapeutic value just enough to keep you going during your low periods? Almost like abstaining from <laughs> committing to therapy in the long run. I think Jimmy's you go the first this time. Uh, definitely. Um, I'm just thinking, um, I did a lot of journaling. Um, and honestly, that was the one thing that I did. Um, I had books of it, books of papers. Um, I would try to journal every night, 
whatever I needed to write about that I was feeling or had to vent about, knowing that I couldn't tell anyone or that there was no one to speak to at that time, they were, I would just write, right? I mean, a lot of it was, it wasn't like me throwing words on a paper. It was very like strategic and in planning. I was like, cause I was asking myself questions. I was writing stuff down. And I think a big part of that was just, just having a book and a pen, right? I like to write just in general. So it was really helpful to just have that that book and that pen to just get through whatever I wanted to get through at that time. Um, and it, when I first started journaling, I didn't know I needed therapy, right? <laughs> that wasn't what it was. Um, my mom used to journal and she put it onto me that I should start journaling. And so that was just how it happened. Um, and it really got me through those tough times just because um, I could, I was able to just, you know, express myself. Um, and also, um, I just realized that like after a while that sometimes I needed to just have emotional breakdowns, um, instead of me bottling stuff up, I needed a point in my life or at a point in my day where I knew I was like, Oh, I'm going to cry right now. Like, I just need to let it all out, release it. And then I'm good to go. Right. Um, because I was bottling a lot of things up. So journaling and just having that time to just be emotional, to be vulnerable, um, was very important. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is huge. I try to journal. It's, but to be consistent is tough. So I commend you uh, for that. To ask yourself the critical questions. That is not easy. <laughs> it is uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And then the idea of like, you know, letting yourself like just cry and just, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a metaphor we have of like releasing the valve and just letting the steam out, which is true. And there's also, I think, probably more important is that you're telling yourself that it's okay for you to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? So give yourself that space. It's like how you, like how you treat your friend, right? When they're crying and you give them support, you're doing that to yourself. So I think it's very important. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's what you said. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in some of the physical things you could do for yourself. Right. Um, like I, like jogging is inconsistently, you know, reference aerobic, aerobic exercise in general and consistently shown in studies that has been really good for your, uh, for mood, mm -hmm. for, um, you know, uh, what they call the frontal part of your brain, the, the executive functioning to think clearly. Yeah. Um, so that has been, it's, it's like a miracle pill for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, if I have like a test coming up, the way I, re I react to that, I can I can almost predict it based on whether I've been jogging the previous week. <laughs> it's crazy. So if I have been jogging consistently, I look at it as another task. Like, oh, I got that. Right. I'll just I'll think about how I'm gonna break it up into several parts, blah blah blah. And if I haven't, um I it feels overwhelming. And it's like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm able to do this. All the questions coming in, that's the self-doubt. So I always recommend um, exercise um, as a way to, to build yourself, your resiliency, to be proactive. Diet also also important, right? Like, um, you know, reduce the amount of trash that we eat, <laughs> uh, you know, and let me not call it trash, right? Like maybe because that also may not be helpful, yeah, uh, yeah. but there's certain foods that, that just don't um, nourish your body mm -hmm. um, the way that other foods do, obviously. And, you know, research is again is showing the connection between the stomach and the brain, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and the gut, a mind uh, connection is, is super important now. Yeah. Um, sleep, my God, 
Like he, we all know it. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> we all know it. Yeah. But it's it's hard to be consistent, right? Yeah, but definitely. sleep is important. And then I'm just gonna like just mention a couple other of ones, course, course, like right. um, social network, right? Like mm-hmm. just being connected to friends and family. Mm-hmm. That is probably going to be number one on my list. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, there's that. Um, there's meditation. Mm-hmm. It's super important to be aware to separate your thoughts from yourself to, to to look at your thoughts for what they are, just thoughts, um, and to acknowledge your emotions. Super important. Um, let me see what else. Um, for me personally, this is gonna sound kind of funny, but there was a moment where I was just desperate for for like answers, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I looked into horoscopes. Um, and you know, I'm not a big believer in it. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in it now. But at the time, it was like weird how timely certain messages were, and um, you know, just exactly what I needed to hear in the moment. So that it was like a bridge for me and my spirituality, mm-hmm. in a sense. Like, okay, I think somebody's listening, right? Someone's looking out for me. Um, and yeah, just just that connection to like this bigger force. I think. It could be very important for a lot of people, right? Um, so I just say spirituality. I'm sure a lot of people would relate to that. You know, some people look at it through religion. Yeah. Some people look at it through horoscopes or, you know, gems and stones, right? Like, <laughs> people have their own avenues for that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think spirituality, like this larger umbrella term, is, is really important. Um, yeah, so I'm sure there's there's other things. Um, but for now, those I think those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. sharing. I was yeah. just going to bring up quickly, I was just going to bring up, uh, since you mentioned that you were a trainee, if uh, your work does involve mindful awareness and meditation in terms of like their homework they give people, or does it depend on, does it depend on the type of person that you're therapeutic? Yeah. Um. It, it's So my work is very... Um, I think it depends where you work. Let me start there. It depends where you work. It depends on your philosophy, mm-hmm. like the theoretical perspective you have on, the- on therapy, because there's a whole bunch. There's cognitive behavioral therapy. There's acceptance and commitment therapy, psychodynamic, mm-hmm. you know, dialectical behavioral therapy. Like there's, there's a, a lot of different models of uh, modalities um, of therapy. And um, I think some, some of those therapy models lean in more towards the meditation yeah. um i personally don't you know let's say meditate in the beginning of the session yeah. but i know it's, it can help and in fact you know i've this past week you're the second person to bring this up um this this past week i've been having conversations about this um like i had someone told me that they start their med- their all, every session with meditation like a quick meditation before they start and it's done wonders for them Okay. Um, and you know, a professor of mine said the research supports it too. So that might be something I want to start with. Um, I start doing. Um, so yeah, it's it depends on the person, but for me, I'm a big believer in meditation. So gotcha. yeah, yeah. Right. And as a client, I this is if there's any message that can be taken away from this podcast for me yeah. is for clients, for for us, right? You know, mm-hmm. being served in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, be proactive. So if there's something you want, ask for it, right? Like the, it's a collaboration. Like don't come in thinking like, okay, you're the expert, fix me, right? Mm. Come in as as like a, it's a team, right? So if there's things you've read, 
or heard about from friends, something you saw on IG that you may want to try out, bring it up in therapy, see what they say. Um, and also give, you know, it could be a test on whether you'd be a good fit, right? With your therapist, right? Um, so if meditation is something you want to start with in therapy, bring it up. No, you asked him a question about his work. Oh, no, no. That was an additional question. Oh, she, she started it. She oh, said, uh, journaling and... Journal, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, okay, gotcha, <laughs> I got lost in the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the next question, which was, walk us through the moment you finally decided to pursue therapy. And the three sub-questions were, if you're comfortable sharing, what was the catalyst? Was your financial situation an obstacle? And was there, as you mentioned, Ramon, was there trial and error in finding a therapist? And Ramon, you can start. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for me, this was 2017. It was the summer of 2017. So just to paint the picture, mm -hmm. I was working um, for the office special programs for CUNY. Yeah. Um, I was a research assistant there. And my, my supervisor left. Uh, he got a new job. He was going to move. Um, so he left his boss, which was like the head of the, all the special programs, including a uh, and CD. She retired. So you know, I feel like my chain of command was gone. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what was going, what was next, uh, in terms of my, my job. Um, uh, and, and not just whether like sense of security, yeah. but also like, even if I had the security, how much work would be put onto me? Right. Um, given all of this. So that was one piece. Um, and then I was, I got injured working out. Um, I was doing a deadlift and I didn't warm up properly and I messed up my leg. Um, so I quit, I had to stop working out, which was like a, a way for me to, like I said, to build, you know, resiliency, like that yeah. mental strength, I guess you can say. Yeah. Um, so that was that stop. Um, and then I was also studying for the GREs to get into graduate school. So it was, you know, a lot was going on in my head. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, what the hell's happening? <laughs> this was like back to back to back. Um, so I was like, okay, I, I need a therapist. Um, and I reached out and I, I did some, I did some search on psychology today. Mm -hmm. I think it's the website. Um, and what I did was I was looking for a therapist that who, whose like description. Mm -hmm. um in their bio seemed uh like a balance of competence and also warmth mm -hmm. um it's hard to describe but it was it's really an intuition honestly right. like i'm not gonna sit here and tell you these are the exact points right <laughs> because honestly it was also the intuition yeah. um and luckily like i did my first my first session and it went really great uh, i was like okay I'll, I'll go come back again um so i got lucky I'll be honest. Um, but in terms of uh, fin finance, um, I had I had uh, insurance, um, so that helped a lot. Yeah, okay. um, the copay was like like fifteen dollars. Like it was nothing. Um, yeah, relatively speaking, right? Like it could it could get really bad. Uh, so I got lucky. Um, there weren't that many barriers for me, um, but I can imagine others. You know. Yeah. who don't have insurance that could be a big problem but there are options out there yeah um and you can negotiate too i'll say that um like my, my third therapist 
they didn't take my insurance mm-hmm. and she was charging like $50. Wow. And I, I asked her uh, whether it could be $10. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she dropped it down to her credit. She dropped it down to 20 Wow. Okay. Yeah. Negotiate. Yeah, negotiate, man. It's Negotiation is so important. Definitely. Thank you, Ramon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, this past summer, I had been, so I was in Teach for America, uh, you know, teaching at this daycare, uh, this Head Start Center. And it was the worst two years, the first two years of my teaching experience ever. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly just did not enjoy going to work. I hated it. It was just ridiculous. And then um, this past summer, I end, I finished it and whatnot. And I noticed that um, constantly for myself, like I keep myself busy on purpose. So I'm preoccupied just so that I don't have to have, that I'm not having the thoughts that I'm always thinking about because um, they're always, they're revolving. Um, and so what I noticed was that it was happening too frequently while I was on break. Um, this past summer. And it was just, it was just back to back, back to back, back to back. Like I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't, I I just wasn't myself. Like it was becoming to a point where like, I wasn't even enjoying my break anymore. Um, and I had too much time on my hands. So I remember just saying, I was like, yeah, I I need to do therapy. Like it, it just needs to happen. Um, I was like, I've been dealing with so much these past years, the, especially these past two years, just having to deal with just racism and so many other different things that I probably shouldn't have had to deal with. And, um, I just remember I was like, thankfully this email came from teach for America and they were offering better help. They were paying for one year subscription. Um, and so luckily I was able to sign up and, you know, just go through that process. And, um, before when I did better help, they picked a different person and I was like, eh. I was like, you know, I don't know if this would be a good fit, but then luckily I found the therapist, they assigned the therapist that I have now and I haven't changed ever since. Um, so finance was an issue. Cause I was like, am I really going to pay $65 a week for this? Like I have bills to pay. I have, I have so many other things that, that I put money towards and, you know, I'm saving and all these other things. And I'm like, how am I going to pay for it? And then you're right, Ramon, like negotiation is a, is a, a real thing because, um, so I know other people that have been in therapy and, um, like they check for like on therapy for black girls or any other, um, Instagram websites that are like that. And my, uh, God sister, she actually negotiated with her, um, therapist. Like, you know, they took, um, you know, uh, what is it? Medicaid. They, they use the specific insurance. They, they match what your, what your, you know, your finance situation is mm-hmm. so that you're able to get what you need. So like finding a therapist that cares about you just getting the service, right. Um, they, they'll, they should be able to negotiate, right. Because I'm pretty sure they have people that are paying them $150 mm-hmm. just to see them, right. Like they're <laughs> you paying them $20 is not going to hurt anything that they've got going on. I feel like, <laughs> For sure. Don't be afraid to uh, to ask. So true. Definitely. Okay. Word for the day, negotiate. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, move on to the next question. Did you receive any backlash when you've started, when you've shared your choice with your friends and family? Your choice of actually pursuing therapy? Um, I haven't received any backlash. I feel like, hmm, let me think. I mean, I haven't told, so not a lot, unless you've watched this podcast, that is the only way you would know that I'm in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, obviously Hamed knows, my mother knows, and 
I know my sister knows, but my uncle doesn't know. And I speak to him quite frequently. I'm pretty sure I haven't told him yet. Um, and my other siblings don't know as well. Right. So it's, it's a pretty small circle of people that know that I'm actually in therapy. Um, and just for the simple fact that I've just started and I'm just starting to like, just be more open about like me going to it and like the experiences that I've been having. Um, but I have not received any backlash. No one has asked me any like deep defining questions of like, oh, so what's your problem? Or like, what's going on? Like, no, no one has tried to dig deep. They've just been like, how is the experience? And I'm like, oh, it's been pretty well. Like, you know, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about this. Um, I know that like, if I feel like when it becomes a problem is when I know I'm having a conversation with my therapist about someone that I'm telling that I've told that I'm in therapy. Like I'm explaining to them, this is what happened in the session. And I'm like, yeah, so we kind of like talked about you. Um, she told me I should do this just to let you know, just so that you know that you're aware, right? right. And so, she told me to cut you off. <laughs> yeah, and so like that's 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 basically when it would become a point where I feel like you would be like, you would probably either they will push back or like they won't engage in the conversation any further um, because they don't probably want to hear the hard truth. But, you know, sometimes it's just it's real, right? Yeah. It's so real. <laughs> gotta set boundaries <laughs> I find that to be a very awkward situation if I have to uh, I mean obviously I can choose not to share but I feel like if somebody's close to me but there was some type of period of oh, we weren't really vibing and then I shared that with my therapist and then how would I bring that up to that person if they do choose to ask me so that is definitely a uh, a situation right there yeah. yeah yeah um no i never had any uh backlash or never felt shamed um i mean i think most of the shame was internal so i think it's important to acknowledge uh because mm. i know it's going to happen for a lot of folks who are, are contemplating going to therapy there's like maybe some stigma yeah. attached to it obviously um and that the, the people who matter to you will understand why, right? And be proud, right? That's kind of the reaction I've gotten. Um, and then I'll feel the back on them. Like, okay, why aren't you going there? <laughs> You're so proud. I was like, okay, what's happening you? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, two of my family members started going to therapy yeah. after. And I, I like to believe that I played a role in that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's, there's other factors, obviously. Um, but, you know, the more the more we talk about our experiences and you know normalizing it yeah. i think i think the better it'll be for others right um mm -hmm. you know put in the forefront planting that seed like hey yeah it's a normal thing um just like once a dentist just like once a doctor um mm -hmm. just a, it's a mental health checkup <laughs> you know <laughs> you know so i have a side question for you ramon um is it ethical to therapize people you know I feel like you know the answer to that question. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, no, let me let me let me elaborate. <laughs> like, I feel like people tend to do that anyway, you know. So, um, whether you're a therapist or not, um, I think not only is it unethical, right? Um, and it's let me explain why it's unethical. I guess uh, you don't know their life, right? I can, you know, I can act like I know Hamed's history for example, and assume certain things. And um, even the things that he tells me, right? I can, I can formulate theories around that. But there's a lot of things that Hamed does not, that he never tells me, right? Because I'm not his therapist. Um, two, I have a relationship with Hamed. He's a friend, 
right? So I'm going to be biased, right? So there's a lot of thoughts in my head that's going to impact, you know, the way that I could be objective about um, his issues. Um, and three, did he ever ask for it? <laughs> no, he didn't ask for my opinion. <laughs> okay, okay. But so even in professionally, it's not promoted or like, I don't. Okay, gotcha. No. We we okay. we discourage it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ramon. Yeah. Um, with that, we can move on to the next question. Did you guys get your answers right away, or was the process of therapy more of a slow burn? And Jamisha you can answer. Um, <laughs> uh, I can count over my hand how many sessions I've had, and no, my answers have not. <laughs> My questions have not been answered right away. Um, and she she named it for me. She named it for me. Um, uh, initially, she made me fill out a sheet of all my goals that I wanted to work on. I had my three girls, goals that I'm working on. And she explained to me that one of them would take a lot longer. Um, and she didn't she she knew that I was not in a space to address it because it would just be a it wouldn't be a, a time of reflection. Like it would be a time of me just still being upset still being like still feeling that moment. And I need to get to a point where um, I can have that conversation about that goal. Right. Um, and she mentioned, she said that you'll realize that like, we'll be talking about one thing and you'll be connecting the dots and we'll just end up talking about that moment. And you won't even realize that it's happening right now. Um, and I was like, okay, I see where you're going. And as we have sessions, I'm seeing that like, there's little pieces to the puzzle that are like coming together. And I'm like, okay, it's going to come. I can feel it. Right. And like, I make I, at that point, like soon enough, I may be at a space where I'm able to talk about it. Um, but we're like working towards it, right? There, there's no straight answer. It's a whole process. Um, there's a whole technique you'll probably have to be continuing to do for the next six weeks just to get yourself at a place where you're able to have those conversations and to just be at a more stable place. Um, so your answer is no, they, they have not. My questions have not been answered and it might take years for one of them or two of them to be answered, to be quite honest, or there may not be a specific answer for that goal. It might just be something that I'll just have to continuously manage um, because I cannot handle the reality of that situation. Yeah. Thank you, Jamise. Yeah. yeah, I'm 100% agreeing with you, uh, with Jamise. So it's, um, and it's interesting, I think, you know, we have goals in mind, right? And sometimes there are implicit goals, implicit, like some some problems that you didn't bring up that come in, right? They sneak their way in and you realize it's such a big issue and it connects with so much, right? Um, and then that gets addressed over time, right? Um, so I say, for example, my first therapist, I came in, because I was obviously distressed with the GREs and you know, my, my boss and or my, my, my job, I should say, dealing with the, the injury and like just feeling stressed out, right? So I started with that and then started we started talking about relationships. And then we got into that. And you know, just I'm not gonna say that she solved the relationship issues, but just feeling heard, right? Mm -hmm. Um feeling understood, validating it, right? Um did you I don't think we acknowledge just how important that is. Because um, I think, like I said earlier, there's a lot of it has to do with shame, right? Um, and other issues attached to the problems. Mm -hmm. And um, therapy is oftentimes just working towards that, like what's attached to it. And then you're able to solve your own issues in a sense. Um, 
you feel you feel more confident more resilient um so it's a uh, again like that's that therapist only did two sessions with her because i felt cured <laughs> in a sense big mistake um but I, it was what i needed at the time because i started off that was in the summer and i started off the semester really confident um and i you know i, I crushed it right uh my job like, on top of everything that was happening um the gre's applying to graduate school i got in so you know i think therapy bit, played a big role with that and there was only two sessions i wouldn't promise that for anybody right i just think it was i was told and i was validated uh, i was told what i needed to hear and i was validated all right thank you Ramon. um we can move on to the next question after that Let's see here. I mean, if you guys feel comfortable sharing, did the therapist share an insight with you that impacted a core value you've held? Ramon, you start. A core value? I don't know about that. Is, I got to think about that. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you I, things that my therapists have said that Fund like change fundamentally the way I feel things, right? Okay. Yeah, that's um, and um, it was honestly, it wasn't even a therapist. It was my supervisor, uh, who served. She was a therapist herself. She was supervising me, serving as a therapist, right? Um, so I was talking about uh, client issues with her, um, and um, just the way she framed a certain problem. Like I was talking about how you know. Um, it's hard for me to feel emotional, mm -hmm. right? Because obviously because of masculinity and being a Latino and what that means. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I told her that I, I haven't cried in like in over a decade, um, at that point. And, um, again, I had a therapist who told me, so what? Like when I told her the issue, she's like, oh, so what? You haven't cried. Uh -huh. This is the same therapist who microaggressed me. Um, and again, I understand what she, what she was trying to say, just the execution was not good. Like, if she were to say, oh, why is that important for you? Different different question, right? Definitely different question. Different route. I mean, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's be curious. <laughs> but the way she framed it, I was like, all right, what's going on? So my supervisor, she asked me, um, or she told me, oh, it just sounds like you don't give yourself permission to cry, right? So the idea of giving myself permission was... That was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I could give myself permission to do things. Yeah. Um, so simple, right? But it was so important and it, it changed fundamentally how I view so many other issues. Um, it was like a, a domino effect. Mm. And um, yeah, I was I'm happy to say that um, you know, I don't know if you guys heard the uh, Gabriel Fernandez uh documentary, the you know, the child abuse case. Mm. Uh, I was watching that by myself. And um, there were certain, there was a scene about, you know, the classroom crying um, over his death. And um, mm -hmm. I remember my eyes started getting watery. I was like, oh, oh, shit, is this happening? <laughs> and then I, in my initial, my first reaction was actually to hold it back. Like it was like, unconscious. I was like, no, hold it back. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm always used to. Um, but then I was like, wait, but her voice came in and it was like, give, you know, Gave yourself permission. I was like, you know what? Yeah, let me give myself permission. And it started rolling down my face. I was like, oh shit. And it was like this weird mix of like sadness mm -hmm. and also like relief. contentment and relief. Yeah. Contentment that I allow myself to cry and like 
you know, honor him in a sense um, and his pain. So, dude, that it was huge. That's definitely, I've, I don't know, I feel like after, for me, with my journey of crying, after I graduated high school, it was just like, I don't know if something changed with me. I'm trying to pinpoint what it was, but it takes like emotional scenes in movies and like people dying that don't deserve to die. And yep. like that can like easily trigger me to cry. And I don't know where that ease of tears came from. Like for me, it's almost like a switch went off after I graduated high school. To this day, I'm still searching as to what changed. So nice. definitely- yeah. uh, Interesting, yeah. So you, yeah. you, you've, you've been gave yourself permission. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I feel like it's not even permission. It just comes out. I'd be like, oh, no, no. <laughs> it's just a TV show, bro. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can go. <laughs> that was beautiful, Ramon. Um, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm big on just everybody crying. Like crying is fine. Just cry. We love. I love it. I don't know. I enjoy crying. Um, yeah, it's a sad emotion, but it's beautiful. Um, you, as I was thinking, uh, so in my therapy session so far, um, I know me and her talked a lot about just me being an independent person, um, and me feeling like I have to be superwoman all the time. Um, I was raised by a single mother. Um, so she did everything she's been doing everything. And I don't know, a lot of the work that I do and a lot of just the way I move is that I just enjoy doing things by myself or either I know that I can get it done the way that I want to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of just has that effect. And I don't know, I think for me, when she started to mention that, like I did it, I remember telling her, I was like, I just want to get to a point where I can be independent and manage my own emotions and, you know, whatever trauma or things that I'm dealing with. And she was like, you know, you need like a community to do that. Right. Like, yeah, she was like, she was like, you know, you need people to help you get through what you're getting through. Like you cannot do it all alone. And I was like, I was like, oh shit. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm fucking mind blown. Like you, you, you actually right. Like, I don't, I don't want to do it alone. Like I do want people, um, to be able to help me get through it or like just to be able to just, you know, have a, a set community of people around me that are helping me get through what I need to get through or that are just there for me. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay. She just, she just blew my mind with that one. And then I remember telling her, I was like, um, I was telling her, you know, about family situations and things. Mm -hmm. And she kind of mentioned, she was like, she asked me and she was like, why do you feel like you always have to be superwoman all the time? And I was like, I was like, because I know they need me. And she was like, do they need you now? I was like, no, they're good. They got this, they got that. And she was like, so you just answered your own question. I was like, okay. I was like, you see, it's these questions that like, you know, they ask, it, it just gets you thinking like there are certain, like I don't have to be independent and I don't have to be superwoman. It was, I had been told that like me being independent and not relying on a man or not relying on people in general was something that, that needed to happen. Um, and I'm trying my way to, you know, ease out of it and not have to do that. Um, but it is something that was a very core tenet to just my parenting that I was going to have, you know, that I was soon going to continue to do. Like that has changed the way that I want to parent. Um, and it also just has changed the way that I just interact at work in the same way that I just interact with my boyfriend. Right. Um, and it's huge. It's 
it's it's crazy that you know it came to me at that moment like just having that simple 30 minute conversation already had that for me right like something that someone could have told me years ago if they had just listened or they had that kind of like expertise or just the questions to ask me um really helped me just get to that point where like i don't have to be independent and i don't have to be superwoman all the time like i can let my guard down and just kind of like breathe right um it was huge it's amazing like that domino effect for real and if i'll like, add something real quick to that you mentioned that you know i wish i was told that you know when i was younger and i wish i was told you know you know to give myself permission years ago too um and i will also add yeah that for some people though i think certain context matters right so like mm -hmm. maybe if they they weren't maybe in the space to hear that yeah right uh i think sometimes you kind of have to be validated and heard first and seen mm -hmm. and to sort of open up a bit more and accept emotional changes yeah. sometimes it's not just a thought to change it's like the emotion attached to the thought is like mm -hmm. what's really the issue so i've i've trusted my supervisor a lot like i trust her intuition her expertise uh the fact that she cares um so when i heard her say that i was like okay I'm, i could take her word and i feel like she understands me in a yeah. way that these that i need to be understood as right mm -hmm. like certain certain perspective so Definitely took her words um, to heart. Yeah, the relationship you build and like just the mindset you have, period. Because you are right. I think if I had heard that from someone who was just like, either they, I know they were out to get me or like, I just knew that their words were just not, they weren't up to par. Like, I know I'm up here. Like, I know you're you're getting there, but like, are you really sure that that's what you're trying to tell yeah, me right now? <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get a little more defensive. Yes, exactly. Right. Like, who the hell are you? <laughs> And without being too descriptive for the both of you, and Ramon, you can go first, do you feel that you've healed from your biggest trauma? Damn. I, gotta, I guess I'm thinking, like, what is my biggest trauma, right? And what does it mean to be healed? Yeah. Right, so... My, my initial answer is I don't know. Okay. Um, and I would say that healing is, it's a loaded word. Mm -hmm. And I think that may also put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? Um, because it's not, I don't know if, if emotional issues are like, uh, the same as like a physical issue, right? Like, um, a scar healing and then, it never pains you again. Uh, I don't know. If that's that's gonna. That's relative. Like, that's, I don't know. If that's, that's the case, right? Yeah. I think what happens is we can look at the issue um, with a reduced emotional reaction to it, so we can look at it more objectively. So we could look at how our behaviors have been affected because of the trauma, yeah. and then work towards changing those behaviors mm -hmm. uh we can look at how our thoughts have been impacted like the shame maybe um mm -hmm. uh the anger and um working towards that so healing is such a complex multi-layered yeah. word and um what i can say is i'm a very different person than i when i was in let's say high school or middle okay. school okay. right um like that part of that has to do with age, right? Mm -hmm. The things I've learned mm -hmm. and a big part of it has to do with therapy, self-awareness and being like intentional about the kind of man that I want to be. 
Yeah. Um, so, yes, in that sense, I, I've been healing. Okay. It's like ongoing. Ongoing. Thank you. Thank you, Ramon and Jamix. You can end this off. Yeah, um, I'm glad you like pointed on that word healing. Um, I don't know. No, I have not. I was thinking like if I had accepted the trauma, right? Have I have I come to an understanding not only for myself but for the person that has, you know, did what they did to me? Like have I am I at a place where I'm not angry anymore every time I think about it or like my blood isn't boiling or like can I like can I talk about that situation in a way that makes me feel comfortable or makes me feel safe still? Um and no, I'm not at that point. I'm very far from it. Um I'm still in the very early stages and I don't know. I guess like that, that's where I'm looking at it at this point. Like, I know I'll never, I don't, I won't be healed. Like though they're not physical wounds, but they're, it's still there. Like it's in my brain. It's in my thoughts. Um, I do have memories, right? Uh, they're still there. They're not going anywhere. And I think a big part of that is the simple fact that am I kind of able to get to a point where I can talk to that person and be at a space where I'm like, I don't hate you. Right? Like, I understand why you may have done some of the things you did. Um, and I'm naming my own emotions. Like this is how it made me feel. Um, just at least to have a, a, a conversation where there is no, there's neutrality, right? I'm, I'm at a, I'm in a neutral space and it's okay. Like I know that ha that has happened, but now I'm in the present moment, right? I don't want to think about that moment anymore. Um, I just want to be in a space where I can, you know, just talk to you. Mm. Definitely. And with that, that was the last question of the podcast. Thank you very much, Ramon, for participating in your <laughs> busy schedule. And Dude, thank uh, you for inviting me, man. This is an awesome convo. Definitely, definitely. And we're yeah. thinking of having a part two, so because we didn't have a lot of people, but I feel like these questions are important to ask anybody and everybody. Yeah. Uh, I just want to thank you. And uh, yeah, for now, see you in the next episode. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Ahmed and Jamis. Nice meeting you, by the way. <laughs> See you later, you too. <laughs> All right. Have a good one.